Welcome to Padmuchun, Armenian History Podcast. Pariyagak Padmuchun, Hayots Padmuchiana Podcast. Well, hello, welcome back. Welcome back to Padmuchun. <laughs> Padmuchun. I'm Peter Hajinian. And I'm Father Tarius Barserian, and this is Padmuchun. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about San Lazaro. San Lazaro, Armenian. Armenian island in Italy. <laughs> yes, an Armenian island in Italy. <laughs> Who else can do that? Who else is that? The Armenians, we, we form a kingdom in Cilicia, they, yes. Mediterranean. We have, we have an island in Italy. We have a monastery in Jerusalem. We have a... <laughs> we're, we're all, we're everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Well, you know, I think, uh, why don't we start with... Uh, how do you get an island in Italy? We got to start with... Uh, you have to get a good real estate agent. <laughs> you need a good real estate agent to get an island in Italy. So, in Italy. Uh, so, so, I guess what I'm trying to say is before we can talk about San Lazaro, we have to talk about the people that made San Lazaro San Lazaro. Yes. Uh, well, when we speak about St. Lazarus, we are actually talking about the Brotherhood of uh, Mechitaris, brother, yes. Armenian Brotherhood of Mechitarian, formed by, established by Mechitar Sebastatsi, the founder of, of Armenian Mechitarian Brotherhood, Catholic Brotherhood. Right. Who was, in, who was from Sivas. Yeah, Sebastia, that's his last name, right? Sebastatsi, Sivas. They would, prob- they would probably know the name Sivas more than Sebastia. Jose, as you uh, mentioned earlier, it's important uh, center of Armenian community, right? Right. Um, in, in central Turkey. So let's just let's hit the highlights of, of Mekhitar Sebastia. So he was uh, born Armenian. He was kind of, uh, this is the mid-1600s. Mm-hmm. This is a long time ago, um, and he was our. Uh, oh, I lost my place in my notes. He grew up in the church. Yes, he was educated by two nuns. And he was an acolyte serving, and spent his whole time in the church. Uh, and then he went to Etchmiadzin. Yes, but he didn't stay there very long. Like many others, who <laughs> he, he end, ended uh, he ended up in Holy Etchmiadzin, but. He, um, he, as you said, he was educated by, uh, he was raised by, raised by two nuns, right? And mm-hmm. So they instilled in him the love of monastic life. Yeah. Probably that was the beginning from his childhood that he, he felt something special about, you know, monasticism, about, uh, about that life and lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And he tried, he tried to establish an Armenian monastery a couple times in the Armenian church, but it didn't happen. What does it take to establish a monastery in the Armenian Church? Well, the, the time a, was the time was besides. Besides, I was gonna say besides an island and probably besides, a lot of money. You need to get an island. You need to get. Well, what was what's your excuse? We don't have an island. <laughs> in the Armenian Church, I think uh, the time was difficult. Monasteries, they were, they were. They were dying at that time. We didn't have many uh, left, and uh, you know, especially after 
18th, 17th century, 18th, 17th century was still good, but after 18th century, 19th century, we didn't have that many. It was getting difficult for mon monasteries, and the environment was was not good. So uh, uh, yeah, he he tried to uh, to establish monastery within the Armenian Church, but unfortunately, it was neither possible possible neither in in, in Armenian Holy Echmiadzin nor here in Constantinople. In Constantinople, they had their own issues and difficulties over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he he had a vision when Saint Mary appeared to him, and she told him to go to Rome. Mm -hmm. uh, he was praying in front of the Saint Mary's icon at the monastery of Lake Sevan Sevanank. Yes, he ended yeah. up uh, Lake Sevan. He was at Holy Echmiadzin. Yeah. Then he left. Yeah. Holy Echmiadzin, and he went to the monastery of Sevan because that was his passion. He wanted to be in the monastery. And as, as much as we, we, we like to call Holy Eshmeaz in a monastery, it is an administrative center. It, mm. is, it is not not your typical monastery. Right. It's, it's, there is a lot of people coming and going. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot of work to do. There is offices and there's departments and all of that. So it's not your typical monastery if you have an idea about it, yeah. vision and passion to live. So that's why he left. He went to Seven. Yeah. Seban was an island at the time. Yeah. Right? Uh, they had a monastery in Seban. And, uh, it's be beautiful. Have you been to Seban? I've been to Sevanok, yes. It's beautiful. I mean, now it's it's not... Uh, um, now it's more of a ruins and a tourist destination. The, uh, the church is still there. The church I mean, is there, yeah. But not the mon monastery. But the monastery is gone. Um, There's a seminary there. Is there? Yeah, there's a large complex of seminary there. Uh, it was established after about 1994, 95. Oh. By the current Catholicos. Uh, there was always monastic life on the island of Seven. Yeah, they didn't show us that on the tour. No, that's not usually it's not <laughs> part of. We the just tour. got the lava shock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there so was always monastic presence on the monastery of oh, on the Lake Seven, and one of the buildings. There was an old seminary from um, from 18th century, 19th century, mm -hmm. and part of the building was built by Makrtic Khrimian or Khrimian Heidik. Okay. Yeah, so they're still there. Who, if you listen to the Gomidas podcast... Was instrumental. He was instrumental in that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So he, so he, so St. Mary says you should go to Rome. So why do you think Rome? Because... I, well, he has never been to Rome. He's never been to Rome. <laughs> Something <She can't>, <laughs> Have you been to Rome? <laughs> no, but I always wanted to. <laughs> well, he has a he has a vision, um, uh, and 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 actually, uh, Saint Mary uh, appears and and uh, kind of encourages him in that vision, according to the to the tradition of the legend there. To go and to establish an Armenian monastery. Mm -hmm. Now I don't think he specifically said because he went to, uh, I believe first he went to Aleppo. And then on a boat he went to Europe, and yeah. in Aleppo he meets two Benedictine monks. Okay. And that's where he learns about Catholic uh, monasticism. Yeah. Uh, monastic brotherhoods. Yeah. Uh, that's when these two. Benedictine monks 
they give him recommendations and they give him letters to go meet with the uh, in the, Rome with the Rome and the Pope. Yeah. That's you know that's interesting. I think there's a a, a little yeah. motif in Armenian history with this trying to figure out the relationship of the Armenian Church with the Latin Church with the with the Pope in Rome. Because mm-hmm. a couple hundred years before, Hetum II, king of Cilicia, Armenia, he abdicated twice because he wanted to become a Franciscan monk. He wanted to become a monk in the mm-hmm. Catholic Church to find a way to bring the two churches closer together. So he abdicated the first time, and it didn't. the, the son he put on the throne, things didn't go so well, so he came back, became king again, and then he turned it over again to... Another that's that's a whole other podcast, but uh, you know this this idea of of Armenia being so close to the West but separate from it it's it's interesting you see these you see this pop up a couple of times in Armenian history of yeah. of monks or priests that that want to bring the churches in closer union together. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure that was his mission to bring the churches uh, closer or or unite the churches. Uh, you know, and we should keep in mind that he was already ordained in the Armenian Church yeah. as a as a celibate priest. Yeah, he was already Vartabet Mukhitar Sebastas in the Armenian Church in the Armenian Apostolic Church, and he always tried to establish monastery in the Armenian Church, but he couldn't. Yeah, and his passion was to have uh, an Armenian monastery focused on on education. Yeah, and publishing and printing and research and studying. Of Armenian identity, Armenian literature, Armenian history, yeah, uh, and that's what he was trying to do. So, and the environment was not, uh, you know, uh, good at the time to do it in Armenia. So, and uh, and he he explored other options. Yes. So he so he. And all, all roads take to. All, uh, all roads go to Rome. <laughs> when you say why Rome, Rome, well, all roads take to, <laughs> to go to Rome. So that's why. Yeah, he learns from these Benedictine monks about them. Yeah, and so he received letters from them, and that's why he and that's how he ended up in Rome. So he joined the he joins the Latin Church in seventeen hundred. So when when a when a Vardabed joins another church, mm-hmm. does he lose his Vardabed status in the Armenian Church? Yeah, of course. Okay, so he doesn't get to like, you know. You don't have dual citizenship. You can't, you can't be dual citizen. <laughs> you can't be generals for two different armies. <laughs> you don't get to maintain the two citizens. Right. It is. You're either German or American. You cannot. <laughs> so he joins the church in 1700, and he migrates to Venice in 1717. So 17 years later. So that's a long time where he's. Working, trying to work the deal to get his own monastery. Yeah. Um, but he must have, he started his own order in that time. The Mekatar order, the Brotherhood. Um, it, it, which is a unique Armenian Catholic Brotherhood. So they have the same liturgical tradition as the Armenian Apostolic Orthodox Church. Um, mm-hmm. But they're under the the authority, authority of, of the Pope. Of the Pope. So he was already a, a, a priest and he becomes, he probably maintains the same status or he becomes a monk or an abbot, as we sh- should say, because right. he already had, he lived in Constantinople for a while too, so he already had some followers. 
Okay. He had some following, he had some students with him. So he was able to go with them to this, to this uh, island. And, and so the, uh, the authorities in, in Rome, they give them this island, St. Lazaro yeah. Island, and uh, there was isolated, there was nobody in that island. Yeah. The last time, I, I, I did some research about it, uh, last time this island uh, is mentioned in the 19th century, it was called the Island of Lepers. Yeah. Remember, I had that. Uh, yeah. I had that uh, someplace. So, all people who, who suffered with that disease, they were sent to this island. That was. Uh, it's not. It's not a very big. Well, it's. Uh, I'm trying to see if how where we have in our notes how big it is. Seven thousand square meters. Yeah. So seven square. At the time, yeah, there was the structure. Seven thousand yeah. square meters. Yeah. So it's not a very big island. It's in Venice, so they're all islands. They have to take a well, island everywhere. altogether is thirty thousand square meters. Yeah, but the structure was seven thousand. He was later to, to uh, he, he later was able to uh, expand that. Right, expand right. He expanded that. it. He expanded it. Yeah, a uh, long time the island was inhabited. In in mean, it was not inhabited. They, they it was not populated by, mm-hmm. by anybody. Uh, last time some Benedictine monks lived there. Uh, they were exiled. Uh, and they lived there, uh, so it seems like this island was people who were who, who were exiled or nobody needed this island. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, it was Siberia. <laughs> it was there, yeah, but it was in Venice. Venice, a beautiful Venice, yeah. the beautiful city of Venice, which has had ties to the Armenians since the Cilician Kingdom. There was an yeah. Armenian community with Holy Cross Armenian Church in the in Venice proper, mm-hmm. the city yeah. proper. Yeah, there was an Armenian community there always yeah. in, in Venice, and, and they were Prebond uh, Alishan, uh, one of the monks mm-hmm. of Mkhitaryan uh, uh, Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. He, he, has, uh, he, he did some research and studying about the community of Armenians in, in Venice, and he writes about these wealthy Armenians who arrived, especially after Constantinople, uh, from Constantinople, from other areas. Who were doing trading yeah. between different countries and, and Armenians? They were good merchants, merchants always. Mm-hmm. So they were, and he names all these people, all these families, these wealthy Armenian families in um, in in uh, in Venice. Wow! Yeah. So there was Armenian presence there all the time, not on the island of Saint Lazaro, but no. uh, but uh, but in Venice, there was always Armenian Armenian presence. But the monks arrived nineteen. Seven, uh, 17, uh, 19, 1717, right? 1717, yes. Uh-huh. To the his, his 12 monks, he had 12 monks to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they arrive and, and the order is the order's born, the monastery is born. Um, and from there, uh, there's an amazing list of accomplishments of what they've been able to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've enlarged the island, first of all. The island keeps getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Probably because there's so many books, they need some more shelf space. <laughs> uh, they, it really does live up to his vision of of having a uh, research educational center that's focused on Armenian writing, Armenian language, mm-hmm. and printing and everything. The first dictionary, Armenian dictionary, is from there. The first modern history. So this is the modern history after Moses Kornatsi. Oh yeah. So this is the first one since sort of the update. They said, yeah. what's happened in the last uh, 
thousand years that they added right, to it. Right. If you probably our listeners remember Moses Horenazi who wrote in fifth century the first complete history of Armenia, right? Armenia. And, uh, and nobody attempted to do that after him for how many years? Twelve, twelve hundred years. Twelve hundred years. Mikhail there was Chanchi. nothing. <laughs> yeah. Almost. I mean, there were some historians and historical books about certain certain times and particular periods in Armenian history, but there was no uh, complete history of Armenians. And the first uh, first time after, um, uh, you know, Moses Khoinazi was by Mikhail Chamchan. Mm-hmm. Who writes three vol- volumes, volumes of Armenian history, and this book is really important research and essential mm-hmm. for Armenian history because he was able to calculate some of the, uh, you know, numbers of Armenian history, some of the dates of Armenian history, names, and and until now it is an important research of uh, of Armenian history, um, and we learn a lot. From, from him, he, he did comprehensive research in, right. Armenian, in Armenian history. Uh, so until now, many scholars they keep going back to the uh, to the work of Mikhail Chamchan. Mm-hmm. And think about it's in Venice, it's in Europe during the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. So when Europe is is intellectually turning into a powerhouse, this ha- they have access to it, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't know how much access the Armenians in in the Ottoman Empire, how much they were able to get these books or get these volumes of things or, you know, hear this kind of stuff. Yeah. So the, the Mekhtaris really had an advantage being in Italy, being so close to Rome, being so close to uh, Central Europe. But, but also, you know, they were also so far away from Armenia. Mm-hmm. And far away from all the uh, resources that may find in Armenia. Yeah. However, uh, they were able to go back to Armenia sometime, and uh, and try to uh, uh, rescue some Armenian manuscripts. And that's how they were able to learn uh, and study Armenian history. After Armenia, Matenadaran in Armenia, which is the largest Armenian depository of Armenian manuscripts, right? Yeah. And the second is in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. The third. Is Saint Lazaro. Saint Lazaro, <laughs> and they have the best collection. And when I say the best collection, the manuscripts are really well preserved because uh. they would take only the ones that that were well preserved and beautiful and, and well maintained maintained over over time. So uh, they were able to really rescue some uh, some some manuscripts. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned Gevon Alishan earlier. Gevon Alishan, yeah. And you have here in the, the notes that he studied geography and demography of Armenia. And I didn't know this, but he had never visited Armenia. Oh. But because of the, the maps and everything that are, were at San Lazaro, he was able to describe almost every inch of Armenia yeah. with detail and accuracy. Accuracy, yeah. He... he it's amazing, right? You yeah. never visit a place, but he knew knew about almost probably every inch, every every part of Armenia. He was able to describe everything with some precision and an accuracy that it is really great research. Kevin about Armenia demography, the, the research, uh, geography of Armenia, the yeah. graphics of Armenia. So, yeah, uh, he did a great uh, research. Uh, 
I mean, that's that's 300 years before Google Earth. He couldn't just. And until in. now, we still have troubles with Google. Google. Yeah. Google. He couldn't just drop the little guy in a location and see all the pictures people yeah. take. Turn right. You turn, turn right. right. <laughs> yeah. But is a brotherhood in Armenia. As as you said, is was we have to. Um, understand that until now it exists until now yeah they still they still have brothers living there it is a catholic brotherhood mm-hmm. uh, what is unique about this brotherhood although it is theologically catholic brotherhood but liturgically they're armenian orthodox what i mean by that is they le- theologically they accept the theology of the catholic church and theology of catholic church and armenian church they are 98 percent the same Mm-hmm. There are only a few differences. And one of the main differences is the supremacy of the Pope. So in, mm-hmm. in Armenian Church, we accept the uh, primacy of the Pope in respect, respectful way. Mm-hmm. We say he's the first among the equals. Ah. They all are equal, and he's the first because St. Peter mm-hmm. was allegedly the first, you know. Yeah. I mean, not allegedly. He, was, he, was, he had some leadership position among the apostles. So... Pope, as a descendant of, of Saint Peter, he has he enjoys the same privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the brotherhood of Machitarian, Machitaris, they they accept the supremacy over the Pope. In other words, they accept his jurisdictional authority. Mm-hmm. That they say, you know, the Pope is our leader, and he has the right to to dis- assign priests, and he may, he has the right to make decisions for us. That's not how it is in the Armenian Church, but the Brachitai's Brotherhood they have the same liturgical music as Armenian Church. They have uh-huh. the same badarak as Armenian Church. They have the same prayers as Armenian Church. They have even the same vestments. Wow! As Armenian Church. So if you go to badarak and Brachitamia, it'll be the same probably in any in any Armenian Church. Uh, wow! So they're liturgically Armenian. Yeah. But theologically. They are they are Catholic because they accept the the uh, supremacy 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 of, supremacy the, Pope. of the Pope, and that's why Machitar Sebastatsi had always uh, this this challenge of keeping the balance. He wanted to uh, he wanted to be loyal or to show that loyalty to the Pope that we are Catholic Brotherhood. Our mission is to preach. Uh, the Catholic faith to to others and to preserve and to be a, a good bro- brotherhood uh, in in the Catholic Church within the Catholic Church, but there were always uh, people who would go and back to Rome and complain about him. Really? That he, oh yeah, that there were many uh, testimonies about that and in in in, uh, in writings about that. That um, so they were monks, an Armenian monks. In in brotherhood, you know there is a phrase in Armenian. Uh, I, if you translate that phrase, it will be some people are more Catholic than the Pope. <laughs> so they, is that is that come from Saint Lazarus? I don't know where it comes from, but uh, so these these Armenian monks they became more Catholic and they were so loyal they would go and complain and say this brotherhood is more of a national brotherhood than it is a Catholic brotherhood than it is a religious brotherhood. So Mkhitar Sebastatsi was constantly called back to Rome, to Rome, wow. to justify the existence 
of Mkhitaryan, Mihapanachin Mkhitaryan Brotherhood. Wow. And he did that. He had all this challenge keeping that balance. He wanted to make sure that they do research of Armenian history, but on the other hand, that's not really what Rome was interested in, yeah. <laughs> was interested in at the time. Yeah. Uh, so he always had that challenge, and he was able to keep that balance despite all the challenges and difficulties. Wow. And here we are, 300-some years later, still talking about them. And they still exist. And they still exist. So has the, how many popes have been to... San Lazaro. Let's talk about famous visitors to San Lazaro, because there's some good yes, ones. Yes, yes. Here, Kardashians visit. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, there's been, I don't know how many probes have been there, but a number of presidents have been there. Uh, Lord Byron, the English poet, has been there. He liked it. He mm-hmm. gave it four star, five stars on Yelp. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan has been there. Oh. Uh, didn't, I, he get, didn't he get married? One of the uh, churches in Venice, Armenian churches in Venice, I, I believe so. Probably, and then they probably had maybe had the, they had the reception at San Lazaro. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joseph Stalin has been really? there. Yes, that's surprising. He visited, um, and uh, Napoleon. Ivazovsky, you say here. Ivazovsky, yes, he's also been there. Well, one of the large, I think. One of the largest collection of paintings of Ivazovsky is in St. Lazaro. Yeah. In the monastery. Yeah. They have large collection of different uh, paintings and books and uh, uh, even uh, even unique stained glass yeah. art from Kutaya. Oh, really? Where Gomidas was from. Huh. Uh, in uh, St. Lazaro. They have this interesting collection, interesting stuff. At yeah. Lazaro. It is unique. They have an excellent coin collection, Armenian coin collection, too. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's something you'll be interested in. <laughs> well, I, I was almost a visitor there. I've got a, I've got a San Lazaro story. Oh. I was in Venice with Another my family. Another famous, famous visitor. <laughs> almost visitor, famous almost visitor. Uh, uh, we were in St. Mark's Square, and there's an Armenian uh, jeweler in St. Mm-hmm. Mark's Square. And so we went in and we, you know, the Armenians are traders and, you know, have, this, this family has probably been in Venice for years. So we asked about San Lazaro and they said, oh yeah, there's a boat that goes every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. And we looked at our watch and it was 9.30 on a Tuesday. <laughs> so my dad and I ran to the wharf and we found the pier where the boat was going out. And the boat was packed, there's all these people and no one's saying anything. We get in the boat and 10 o'clock comes doesn't leave. 10, 15, doesn't leave. 10, 20, one of the sailors comes up and says, no go, no go. And somebody said, what do you mean no go? He says, Padre called, no, no go today. No go today. <laughs> Island's closed. And everyone on the boat stood up and yelled, what do you mean it's closed? I'm Armenian. Put the priest on the phone. And then they looked at each other and said, you're Armenian? Where are you from? <laughs> and it was a boat full of Armenians from around the world that were all upset because... They happen to be in Venice wow. on a Tuesday, so we didn't get to go to San Lazaro. Wow. That's, that's unfortunate. Hopefully, uh, one day you'll be able, <laughs> you'll be able to, to go and see this wonderful collection of Armenian manuscripts. You know, 4,500 yeah. manuscripts they have. And they have this one of the oldest Armenian illustrated manuscripts, the, uh, the Gospel of Queen Melke from, mm. uh, from Cilicia. Yeah. And it's one of the beautiful... Uh, 
manuscript that Toros Rosling, he uh, the he funniest illustrated. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they have that. Wow. But, uh, I'm not sure it is available for viewers, visitors, but well, they but they I, have that great collection. I think now because the city is sinking. Venice is having a lot of issues with flooding and, and things. Oh, they had a flood. San Lazaro last had a flood year, last 2019. year. Yeah, it's unfortunate. There is a story of uh, Napoleon, right? <laughs> about Napoleon. And that, that, when I was reading about this, was a fascinating <laughs> story. <laughs> That um, that Napoleon was having, you know, occupying probably most of Europe. Yeah. And, uh, and war, and, and he was also waging war against the Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and he had he ordered all the monasteries to be closed. Ah. So he sent two emissaries to. To Saint Lazarus. Yeah. So they come, and they are going around. The monks are showing them around. They are trying to be nice to them and, and everything like that. And so they are passing by the cafeteria and kitchen, and they smell this this greatest smell, this wonderful smell and delicious and something great is cooking there, right? <laughs> So they, they take a peek and see what it is, and they say, what is, what is this smell? They say, well, it's an Armenian dish we are cooking. It's called harissa. And if you're familiar with harissa, that's the dish probably well-known or became more popular after the, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, during, after the Armenian genocide, when, uh, when uh, people who were on the mountain of Musadakh, they were making harissa almost every day and eating harissa. And on the day of celebration of that uh, battle, they, in Armenia, until now, they still make harissa on that day. So harissa is a, is a, is a well-known dish. And so they were making harissa, and these, these people, these uh, ambassadors, they really, they really like that dish. And, uh, so they left. Uh, it's interesting. Some of, some, of these, some of the stores, some of the sources, they say, one of the visitors was Napoleon himself. Oh. <laughs> and interestingly enough, there is a, I'm not sure if that's true. If Napoleon visited, probably you recognize the guy. Or, or he yeah. wouldn't come with just one, <laughs> one person. Oh, hey, there's just one. Um, um, like he was sneaking around. He was sneaking around and he had nothing to do. It's called Armenian Monastery. He was actually interested in Armenian history. Mm. Uh, there, is a, there is evidence of that. There is a historical... Uh, testimonies about that that he he considered Armenia one of the ancient civilizations and he was interested in the culture yeah. uh, of Armenia. Interestingly enough, some Armenian monks from were able to convince Napoleon's uh, representatives that this monastery is unique, that this monastery carries on and and educates people about Armenian culture and about Armenian history. And this monastery shouldn't be closed. Hmm. And it was not closed. Wow. It remained open during the uh, invasion uh, and occupation by Napoleon. So Napoleon couldn't close the monastery 
But when I show up on a Tuesday in <laughs> the, Venice, the, the Padre, the Padre called this closed. Is it? Are there any other monasteries in the Armenian world that are that are like San Lazaro? Is San Lazaro unique? Well, we had monasteries before, but I. Well, I mean, but but in where it's it's an Armenian monastery, but it's under a different uh, uh, church. No, we don't. Well, there is Vienna, right? Yeah. That's right. So yes. we have, we have to talk about that. The Mkhitaryan Brotherhood, they have they have a monastery structure. They have monastery structure in uh, on Saint Lazaro, the island of Saint Lazaro. But they also have a branch uh, in Vienna. Yeah. So they have two. Uh, it's basically the same brotherhood, but they have two different locations. So if you so if you. Like at the Met Museum in New York a couple of years ago, there was the Armenia exhibit. If you saw the printed Bibles and maps and things from Vienna, that would have been Mekhitarist. Probably. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There was a large collection from Jerusalem, too, at that, um, at that exhibit. At that exhibit, yeah. Well, what, um, is this, what does this mean to you? What's, what do you uh, when you think of Mech- the Mechatarists at San Lazaro? What do you what do you what does it mean to you? Yeah, how long it's been? Uh, let's let's see. Thirty minutes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So, Falatarius, what is what does the Mechatarist uh, island of San Lazaro mean to you? Oh, I, I it's it, it I think it is a it is an amazing story of Armenian Armenian spirit. Uh, they are the work that they had, they did is uh, is is fascinating. Um, these monks studying and dedicating their life to research of Armenian history, Armenian culture, Armenian geography. Of, uh, it's it is amazing what they did, and 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 our research, our knowledge about Armenia, our knowledge about Armenian history wouldn't be the same without the dedication and work that these people, the, these monks, and just a few of them probably, not men, not, not, not a large number. And they came from different Armenian communities around the world. And that was one of the purposes, one of the missions of Mkhitar Sebastatsi. He wanted to make sure that every time a monk is, a monk is accepted to a monastery of Mkhitaryan, that uh, they come from different Armenian communities. So it's not only from Beirut, it's not from Halep, it's not from, but it's all over. So they have diverse group of people working together. They different, being different perspective and perspectives and working together to uh, preserve Armenian culture and heritage. I, I think uh, one quote that I was I found very interesting, which uh, you know uh, I, I I don't like to say it either, but it comes from a bloody sultan. But evidence of how important the work that Mkhitaryan uh, Brotherhood they did from Bloody Sultan Abdul Hamid. Abdul Hamid. Abdul Hamid. Hamid. Yeah, Abdul Hamid. He said, uh, uh, "I'm more afraid of the work and, and publishing work that Mkhitaryans are doing than from all the arms and guns of Armenian fighters." Wow. Because the work that Mkhitaryan brothers they were doing is for generations. Is 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 for uh, to preserve the Armenian heritage, to preserve the Armenian identity, and if you and if you kill that, you know then uh, 
you know, then you can uh, just then people are gone because heritage and culture and identity those are really important aspects of, of who we are. Uh, so that preserving that was really really important. I think, uh, no matter how bad this person was and um, all the terrible things that he had done, he was able to to understand that. And I think it is it is amazing. They were one of the important publishing centers of Europe at the time. Yeah, you know, Armenian monastery, small Armenian monastery, but they published so many books, mm-hmm. and we were able to preserve Armenian Armenian heritage. What about you? You you almost visited the island. I almost visited the island. I, you know, for me, it's it's uh, uh, it's you hit something on the head of it being a important uh, preserver of our culture, and the fact that it's not in Armenia and not in our traditional lands, but the fact that something like this can exist in Europe or far away outside of Armenia, I think is, is really special. That it's, it's such a unique place that has, you know, it's the third largest repository of Armenian manuscripts mm-hmm. and things. Um, not that I think that anything bad's gonna happen to the other two places, but I just think it proves that, you know, Armenians, wherever they go, they take their culture with them. And the drive to preserve the culture and to uh, and to safeguard it is is yeah. almost in it's in our DNA. Yeah, it is. It is wonderful. So uh, we hope that every Armenian uh, and and I hope that one day I'll have a chance to visit uh, the monastery of Saint Lazarus if it hadn't been brotherhood. Uh, uh, it'll be really really interesting for me to go to Saint Lazarus, especially. After the research that will be the, yeah. uh, on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Yes. And if you have any questions, any suggestions, any thoughts, please let us know and uh, uh, share our content on Facebook and with your friends. And uh, I think we appreciate your feedback as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe.